to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program today as we have a returning guest to our program. And his name is Daniel Levin and, uh, Levine, and he is uh, the author of The Mosaic. Daniel, it is great to have you back on the program on this uh, rather auspicious day, which we will, uh, we will make note of as we uh, move along in the program. But thanks for being with us here. It is such an honor. You know, I love you, brother, and it's great to be here with you. I was just sitting a few minutes before we came on air and just was watching some of the ceremony. And it struck me again how deeply this, how important this day is. Whether you believe in the political side of one side or the other, this is the first time in the history of our nation that we have a woman in the vice presidency. And so whether you believe in her or don't believe in her, a ceiling has been broken and, and we are passing through a historic moment of really equal rights for both races, both, both sexes, both people. And in spite, in the, in the heat of all of the uh, white supremacist talk, it's, it's somewhat humorous or somewhat, somewhat, iconic that the first woman to be in the vice presidency is a black woman yeah. or a woman of color. Yeah. So there's so many things going on in the world right now. It's fabulous to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. And uh, I would say, boy, I didn't plan it this way. Uh, but then again, I don't plan these things. The universe does. And there is synchronicity all over the place. So, so there you go. I'm excited to have you here and to, to watch the unfoldment of, uh, of this historic day. It's, it is interesting too, when you, you, cause you mentioned the, the group, I won't refer to them again, but one of the, one of the comments that I have made many, many times uh, over the years, when I hear of these arguments over um, uh, that particular philosophy, uh, you know, uh, it's not on them. It's on you and your ancestors. Cause your ancestors are the ones who dragged these people to this country. Why are you blaming them? Blame your ancestors. And then your ancestors cohabitated with them. I, you know, it's like, it just doesn't make any sense. It, and of course, you know, judging someone based upon their color, their religion, their political affiliation, their height, their weight, their, <laughs> you know, their, their facial hair. Uh, it, it's, it, it, it's not that it's dumb or stupid. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I, I so agree. And my book is called The Mosaic. And what I'm going to say is not in the story of the mosaic. It's in the spaces between the mosaic. Mm -hmm. But it's a perfect name for this moment. Because if you look at a mosaic, it's made up of broken pieces and whole pieces, big pieces and small pieces, all different colors, all different shapes, all different sizes, all different textures, pieces from all over the world come together. And the artistry of a mosaic is exquisite. It's much more beautiful than any of the any one piece that exists in itself. Yeah. And so if we can get that in the artistry of, of putting together something called the mosaic, how beautiful would it be if our lives became part of a mosaic where we mimicked that same way, where a mosaic, sometimes the pieces are just connected corner to corner. That means most of what they believe the other one doesn't believe. 
but it's not important. The, the fact that they connect just in the smallest possible corner keeps the mosaic whole and, and vibrant. Yeah. And I, I, I hope that one, somewhere along the line, this whole image of mosaic can become sort of the way we start to live our lives, where it isn't important what we believe or don't believe. It's more important that we find the connection that we come back to, for our nation at least, we come back to being the United States of America rather than the United States of America. And I'm not, I'm not attributing that to either side. I'm attributing it to every side. Yeah. Because both sides have divided us. And so, but it's time for we, the people, to come together and say, this isn't the world we want to live in. This isn't the world we, we, we appreciate. You know, you said something very profound there. It is not one side's creating the divide. You have to have at least two sides <clears throat> that are diametrically opposed, so to speak, and they both have to be creating the divide. Because if you only had one, there is no divide because the other one just falls over kind yeah. of thing. My dad always said to me, it takes two part partners to dance every dance. That's right. Or, and, yeah. And we got to, and we got to realize what, like I've watched one of the things that's sort of hurt me the most is I've watched very conscious, good people get so caught up in the differences of belief that they 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 seem to have lost in the name of standing up for what is right. Yeah. The actual feeling of, of what is right. What is right is that we, that we were created together to find unity, to work together, to come together, to do great things that no matter what we believe, that doesn't separate us. That makes us even better because our diversity throughout, throughout all of America, our diversity is what's made us this great nation that we are. Yeah. And so when we can, when we can bring that diversity together into the totality of our mosaic, what we have represents something so beautiful that the whole world looks at it and enjoys it. Yeah. But when we split those pieces up and make silos of this is my, this is what, what, this is what I believe. And that's what you believe. And we don't like what you believe. And we don't like what you believe. And we're going against what you believe. It's time has come for us to put three things more important than anything else. To love and accept each other to listen and hear each other and to acknowledge and validate that what each other is saying is what they're saying. Mm. We don't have to agree with each other, but when we do those three things, we'll find that we are greater, stronger, bolder, take more chances, risk more together because we're there for each other. And I think most of the problems that happen in the world today is because people don't feel heard or seen. They don't feel listened to. And so you have 74 million people on one side and 80 million people on another that are just yelling at each other without listening to each other. Yeah. You know, there's a big difference between <clears throat> hearing someone and listening to someone. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, first of all, I want to say that <clears throat> the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, especially when talking about the mosaic, the book that you have written. Um, but the big conversations that have been taking place that I have been hearing <clears throat> have to do with uh, we need to start really listening to each other, not just hearing each other. Let's, yeah. let's converse about that. What, what is your perspective on that? So one of the things that's happened for me over the course of time is when I finished writing the book, The Mosaic, I was given the commission to go out into the world and go 
and out and, and listen, like, just like Mo, the, the story's about a boy who loses his parents two years apart on the same day. And when he asks the adults where his parents are, they tell him they're in a place called heaven. So he sets out in search of the place called heaven. And he just sits with the people that he meets along the way and wonders why he's meeting these people. But in every single case, what he, the person he initially sees, and they're normally common and ordinary people, are not the people, once he sits and listens to them, are not the people that they turn out to be. They're so much deeper than who he thought they were. For instance, he meets a trash man, just to make it very simple. And the trash man is driving this trash truck, and, and Mo, the main character, is walking on a pristine, clean street. He has nothing on his back, nothing in his pockets. And the trash truck stops beside him, and the trash man looks out and says to him, can I take some of your trash? And Mo's dumbfounded. He looks around. There's no trash on the street. There's no trash in his pockets. He's not carrying anything. He's about to say, what the heck are you talking about? And right as he's about to do that, he sees a little glimmer in the eye of the trash man. And the trash man, he realizes, isn't talking about physical trash. He's talking about the emotional and, and mental and spiritual trash that's, that's blocking him from doing what it is he wants to do. All those things that are telling him he's not good enough. And Mo looks at him and says, oh, my God, that I have so much of. I don't even know if your truck can handle it. And the trash man gets down. And he says, it's OK, I'll help you. And he brings his little trash cans and puts them on the, on the sidewalk. And he says, I want you now to empty everything, all of your pain, all of your sorrow, all of the things that cause you to feel not good enough, all the things that make you believe you can't do something. I want you to just put, put them into this trash can. I'm not going to throw them into the truck until you tell me to do it. But put them here, because what I want you to do for one moment is to experience who you are when you're not carrying all that trash. Imagine yourself to be that person. See yourself as someone without all those limitations, all those things that are keeping you, all that trash blocking you from getting to where you want, want to go. Well, when Mo looks at the, looked at the trash man initially, he did not see any of that. And so what he realized is the way he perceives the world is just that. It's only the way he perceives the world. It isn't the way the world is. Yeah. And so listening really comes down to are we able to get out of the way we see and hear to actually see and hear what really is? And yeah. for me, I started having many, many conversations, hundreds and hundreds of conversations with people, strangers. And what I realized is whenever I had an agenda, whenever I was trying to lead the conversation in a certain direction, whenever I was trying to get them to see what I wanted them to see, my ability to listen fell apart. When I could come into the room agendaless and say, hey, Richard, tell me what you really believe. And I listen to you. And I can challenge you on things that you believe because I, I'm not, not to challenge you to fight you, but just to help me understand. Yeah. But when I challenge you with the thought of, I just want to understand that because what I want to know is the curiosity that comes when we both look at exactly the same thing and see it differently. Like, I want to know what you see. How beautiful is that, that we can look at the same thing and you see it entirely differently than I do, or just even a little bit differently. I want to know what your perspective is, because that perspective will broaden my perspective. And what I saw in a drawing that, that was years and has been around for years and years and years, in one way you look at it as an old hag, and the other way you look at it as a, as a beautiful young socialite. It's a line drawing. 
is when we see it as an old hag, we can't see the socialite. And when we see the socialite, we can't see the old hag. So literally what happens is the way we see things blocks us from seeing everything else that's there. The way we hear things blocks us from really listening to what's there. So what would happen if we allowed ourselves to get out of our own way for just a moment? where we would allow ourselves to see what could possibly be there if we didn't put our perspective on it, but just to see the perspective that's there and to listen to what other people believe so that we could grow in our perspective of what's possible. It is uh, <clears throat> an interesting uh, thing that we are uh, to try to do. Um, you know, and I, I'm still, my ears are still ringing with what you said before. <clears throat> about it takes two sides uh, <clears throat> and it takes two sides to listen as well. Yeah. And I heard this from a, I don't know what that means because I, I, I don't know that that's, I, I don't know that I would agree offhand on that, but I want, I'm interested to hear what you mean when you say well, that. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, what we're going to do here is uh, what I'm going to do is, is, is share with you what I heard from a marriage and family seminar speaker back in the 80s, early 90s, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> who <clears throat> was um, um, talking about some of the, some of the um, uh, cases that he had in his, in, his, in his office with married couples who were trying to get counseling, trying to stay together, or at least maybe he would mediate in some fashion to try to help them to work through. And and he was working with this one couple where uh, the wife, she was just sitting there and she was just blasting the husband. And he's sitting there, too. He's there and the, he's right there. And he's just kind of cowering. And it's just, she's just beating the daylights out of him verbally. And, you know, and, and, and he's just not saying anything. Right. So he says the therapist says to the two of them, he says, you know, <clears throat> I'm going to give you some advice, he says. Um, I'm going to tell you that you need to uh, start listening to each other and talking. And I'm going to tell you who needs to start first. And he said, you two, you do. And he pointed to both of them. That it's not the wife that starts first or the husband that starts first. They both have to start first to start listening to each other when the other's talking. Yeah. But when so and and <clears throat> and what that means is <clears throat> you don't sit there and pass judgment of any kind upon what the person is saying about how they are feeling, okay, about where they're coming from. You let them share that. And they then listen and they don't repeat word for word. But as, as I've heard this said before, well, I hear you saying that, da, 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 da. And if, they're, if they were really listening, the person would respond, yes, that's, that's where I'm coming from. And you turn the tables and you do the same thing on the other side. So from that standpoint, it's got to start somewhere and it's got to start with us. Mm -hmm. And it's got to start with them. You know, uh, otherwise we just continue down the blame game. We just continue down the blame game and that is not helping anybody. Right. Yeah. I love that. But, and not, but I okay. love that. 
And that's, that often is too big a, a piece to chew because we can't, we can't, um, we can't demand or expect another person to do anything, even if it's our husband or our wife. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what we can do is demand and expect something of ourselves. Right. And what I found is that listening becomes contagious. I've, Richard, I've had the opportunity to be with some of the richest people in the world, not in their lecture halls, but around their dining room tables. I've had the opportunity to sit with some of the people that inspired millions and millions of people and, and be their friends and have them tell me of all the things that trouble them, even though they're inspiring millions of people. I was one of the people that they felt comfortable with that they didn't have to put a persona on and they could just be themselves. And I was fortunate enough to be able to sit on street corners with some of the poorest of the poor. And what I realized is it didn't matter how much money you had, what religion you practiced, what your occupation was, or where you lived, how big your house or how how torn your cardboard box. Everybody wanted the same three things. They -hmm. wanted to be loved and accepted. They wanted to be listened to and heard. They wanted to be acknowledged and validated. And when I realized that that was easy to do, that's not hard to do. I could actually do that. I didn't need that. My whole purpose in my life changed because I said, that is what I'm going to do. And whether you decide to listen to me or not, that's your choice. Mm -hmm. But here's what I want you to know. When you come into the room with me or we have, where we sit together face to face, I'm going to, I want you to know I love you and I accept you and I'm going to listen to you and hear you. And I'm going to acknowledge what you said and validate you. And that place, when people feel that, suddenly all the walls that they put around themselves to protect themselves because they're used to being attacked Mm -hmm. fall down. And who they are emerges. And we don't need to teach them that it's to listen. Right. They're ready to listen. Well, speaking of listening, we're going to uh, break into our uh, regular sequence here we're going to listen right now to something that is of historic uh perspective and folks you are going to be here with us i'm going to turn the audio on we're going to come back don't worry we're coming back Uh, this is an event that is unprecedented quite honestly now the vice president has already been sworn in this is now the president-elect me I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. That I will faithfully execute. The office of President of the United States. Office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability. Will, to the best of my ability. Preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you, God. So help me, God. Congratulations, Mr. Thank President. And there it is, uh, the one of the uh, most unbelievable uh, turn of events, so to speak, that uh, uh, we have probably experienced in our lifetimes. I mean, I was born in 1960, not that familiar with. Uh, the the uh, the Kennedy uh, assassination, and then of course Johnson. I was familiar with Nixon. Was just shocked to be beyond belief, even as a a young teenager, uh, that a man could uh, do what he did. Not in terms of uh, knowing about this uh, a crime that had been committed, but then covering it up and then walking away, 
resigning. And I thought, wow. And then, of course, Ford and Carter and Reagan and, and the list goes on to, to the present day. Now, as you and I speak, uh, Daniel, we now have our new president who has, along with his vice president, and you talked about this at the front end of the program, there's a strong feminine energy here, not just in her, but in him too. I was watching one of his speeches that he gave uh, the, day, the day before this uh, event we just watched took place, and he started to break up. He started to cry. And the only thing he said, which I, I, I kind of wish people would stop doing this because it's sort of self-deprecating, excuse the emotion. Joe, you <laughs> are a human being. We all have emotions. Yeah. You know, I have actually had a couple of guests cry on this program. They get caught up in, their, in what they're sharing, which is wonderful because it shows how passionate they are about who they are and what they're all about. Let's talk a little bit about the emotions, especially when it comes to the mosaic and relating with one another. But how about our own personal mosaic, our internal life? I talk about uh, the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. It used to be the year, but we went through that already. <laughs> so now we've moved on. Let's talk about that the, that emotional part of our personal mosaic yeah first of all i love that you just broke for the pledge i love that this historic moment has been is being witnessed right now and i think what a beautiful what a beautiful nation we are that we can go from one extreme almost to another extreme, even, even with a split country, mm -hmm. go from one way of governing to another way of governing. But it really is exactly the way we are too, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So often in our own lives, we, we err on one side or we, or we live on one side, and then we ratify by going all the way, pendulum swinging all the way to the other side. One of the things that I realized for me is that before we can have any connection with anybody else, we have to be connected to ourselves. And we have to bring all of the pieces of our being together and accept and acknowledge that that's what we are and that's what's going on. One of the things that we have to be able to see is so often we think, well, those are my little, that's my little self and this is my big self or those are, that's what I do bad and this is what I do good. But the, the innocence of a, of a mosaic is that it doesn't have those judgments of actions. It just says, I have white pieces and black pieces and brown pieces and green pieces and blue pieces. And the, be the beauty is bringing the totality of all of it together. Some of them are shattered, some are broken, some are whole, some are big, some are small. None of them are teaching each other anything. All of them are literally holding each other. And in the, in the process of holding each other together, they create something that's far greater than anything else they've ever seen. And I believe that in the, in the model, like so many people say, it feels like a matrix to me. Well, I believe it is a matrix. It's a new matrix. It's called, it's called the mosaic. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a new modality of the way we, I believe we, we can operate in the world. 
the times where we are leading or teaching or fixing or changing or telling somebody else what to do, to me, those times are over. Yeah. Now the time is how do we hold each other and love each other and respect each other enough to say, I love to hear what you believe and let me hold you. Some of my friends have the most cockamamie beliefs you could ever imagine. I would never in a million years believe what they believe. But if they were ever in harm's way, I would stand, I would, I would take a bullet for them. Yeah. Because I don't love them because of what they believe. I love them because I love them. Yeah. Right? They're part of the human family. They're part of the human family. Yeah. And I remember having a conversation the other day and, and with somebody and I just said, I wish you could know how much I love you. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a sexual thing. It was just a feeling that I had. Yeah. And this woman said, how dare you? Who are you? You don't, you don't even know who I am. How can you say I love you to me? And I said, wow, that's interesting. So it's okay for us to hate for no reason, but it's not okay for us to love for no reason. Yeah. I love you for no reason. And my wife taught me that when we got, when, when we got together. When we got together, I was in the bottom of my life. I had just lost $300,000 because my manufacturer didn't make clothes that I was supposed to ship a million dollars worth of orders out. And he hadn't made a stitch of clothes. And he told me three days before they were supposed to ship. So I had spent all the money to get that to, the, to production and get that through, to market it, to do all those things. And none of it, I lost all of it. Mm. And so when, when she met me, I had no money. The agitation of being that much in debt scared the heck out of me. I had, my, I had palpitations. I was 21 years older than her. And I looked at her and I said, why do you love me? And she said, Danny, nobody's ever asked me that question before. Mm. I love you because I just love you because every part of me loves every part of you. That's not based on what you have or don't have or whether you're healthy or young or what. I love you because I love you. My cells in my body love you. And she was the first one that actually shared with me a love for no reason. She just loved me for no reason. And in these times in particular, I would like to create a pendulum swing, a change of perspective, Wayne Dyer used to say, when you change the way you see the world, the world you see changes. And so what I would love to have happen now is instead of, instead of us hating each other for no reason, why don't we try practicing loving each other for no reason? Yeah. Why don't we try listening to each other and just hearing each other and see what that would bring to the world that we live in? And we don't need to both be great listeners, by doing, by doing the action ourselves and holding the space for someone to be whoever they are and get, get it in whatever way they can, it, it's enough. It will, it will magnetize that energy to happen over time. Yeah. You, you know, um, I have to say that uh, as, our as of our conversation here, uh, as I was driving into work, I'm sharing with my wife, you know, I know everything is going to be okay, but I'm still nervous. Yeah. Until it's done. Uh, and that was what we just listened to. Now, you and I listen to it live. Okay. Our listeners are listening to it when they listen to it. Our viewers as well. And that nervousness, as soon as it was over, as soon as he said, so help me God and was congratulated. It was like, oh, I feel. And it was like the energy shifted in me in me and 
I also reminded myself of something that I have been reminding others of all situations, whether it be what we just experienced, whether it be the pandemic that we're still experiencing as we converse, whether it be sunrises and sunsets, whether it be wind or rain or hurricane or earthquake or tsunamis or whatever those challenges are that Mother Earth puts to us. I have to always remind myself it's temporary. Yeah. It's not permanent. It's yeah. temporary. Yeah. All situations are temporary. And all you have to do is look through a telescope at the cosmos mm. and notice that there's nothing out there that's permanent because everything's in motion. Yeah. Everything is in motion. And I'm, I'm not putting this out here, out there, universe, to, to have it happen, okay? But if there were an asteroid heading for the, the Earth and there's nothing we can do about it, guess what? That's temporary too. Because in an instant, it's all over and we will have left our bodies and we will have gone on to whatever the next part in this grand journey is. You know, it's, it's like uh, there are those with philosophies that look at the, at the destination as heaven. That's like the destination. I'm going, really? That's it? Then that's the end of it? That, that's like, wow, I, it's too bad. You know, this is a journey. This existence. And by the way, am I correct, uh, Daniel? We're, we're immortal. Not the physical body, but that which makes us who we are. The essence is immortal. Lives forever. Right? Yes. Well, that's what that's what philosophies I believe in say. Yeah, <laughs> I I, I, uh, I wanted to share something if I could um, that has really deeply touched me, and I hope that it will touch others as we as I share it with them. I've already shared I've already shared with you all the people that I've had the opportunity to meet: the rich, the inspiring, the poor. One of the people that's changed me the most is a woman that I've never ever in my life been able to have a conversation with. She's my 31 year old daughter. My daughter has a developmental delay, so she can't speak. And so can you imagine the frustration of someone who can think, but can't speak and can't communicate what they want to say. And people just always going, huh, huh, what, what? And because we're close, I understand her better than most people. But still, so much of the time, I don't understand her. Yeah. And so she tries to stay in her lane of what I do understand. And she'll say the same thing over and over again, just like I do on different podcasts or stories or whatever I'm doing. I say the same things over and over again, but don't, people don't think I'm autistic or developmentally delayed. But she found something that we can communicate to. And it isn't what we're saying. It's just the sheer joy of sharing together and being together. But she would get frustrated with me when I couldn't understand her. When she would speak and I couldn't understand her, she would end up yelling. Mm. And she would try and say it louder so that I could try. And she would think, dad's getting older. Maybe he can't hear. If I say it louder, maybe he'll hear it. But it wasn't normally the volume that was keeping me from understanding her. It was the clarity of her speech. When she would yell it and she wasn't understood, she would tantrum. And that could happen anywhere. It could be in a restaurant. It could be in a store. It could be over a friend's house. It could be around a, a I would take her to business meetings with me sometimes because I wanted her to experience my life. It could be in the middle of a business. Mm. And when that didn't work, she would attack. She would come running at me and try and rip my shirt or bite me because she just got that frustrated. Mm. 
Finally, and it went on, Richard, for a long time. Finally, I said to her, Lisa, this can't happen anymore. We, we, this isn't working. You know I love you more than anything in the whole world. And I would give anything to understand what you're saying right now. I just can't understand your words. Will you try and communicate to me in a way without using words? Tell me what you're trying to say without words. Her run towards me to attack stopped midstream. The rage that was on her face melted into this beautiful smile that made my heart melt. And she looked at me in perfect English, said, I am daddy. And I said, hold on, expletive deleted. What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> and she took her finger and she put it to the side of her head. And I realized through her gesture, she was telling me she was putting thoughts into my head. And I said to her, you little son of a gun, have you been putting thoughts into my head telepathically? <laughs> and she did what you did. She said, yes, daddy. And she started to laugh. But imagine the laugh of 15 years of trying to communicate how she was communicating and the frustration of that all in that moment falling off her shoulders because she had finally been understood. Mm. We laughed uncontrollably and contagiously for 20 minutes. Oh. That's a long time to laugh with somebody. And at the end of that 20 minutes of laughter, what happened was she's never yelled, she's never tantrumed, and she's never attacked again. Hmm. Richard, if that was the end of the story and I just had a way to relate now to my daughter that I could tell her, put it into my, put a thought into my head and I'll try and hear it. I don't hear it all the time, but I hear it. I at least hear more than I could with her words. I would have been completely satisfied, but I got a little greedy. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I wonder if that's the way everybody operates, not just my developmentally delayed daughter. I wonder if it's in the corporations that I work with and in the families that I work with. I wonder if it's what's happening in government and in medicine and in education and in, and in criminal reform. I wonder if people just do the same things. And lo and behold, I saw exactly the same actions. When they speak and they don't get heard, they yell. When they yell and they don't get heard, they attack. They, they tantrum. They create chaos. And yeah. when they create chaos and they don't get heard, they attack. Look at our government right now. Look at what we've been dealing with for a long time. So I don't see that people are bad people or, or are wrong. I just see that people, people will go to any extreme to be heard. Mm. And when they don't get heard, They'll go to any extreme to, to try and say, I have something to say. You're not listening to me. And if we could create a revolution of listening, if we could simply just take time to listen rather than just fight, mm -hmm. when we look at the same thing and see it differently, most of what we do now is we defend the way we see it and fight off the way other people see it. But how curious would, could we be? Yeah. To be able to say, wow, you see what I'm looking at differently. How beautiful. Because, Richard, I believe in a world where everything is possible. The only reason it's not possible is I don't see a way to make it possible. But as soon as I start to talk with you and you see it differently than me, that opens up for me the possibility that the way you see it might just be the piece that I'm missing to make what was once impossible possible. Mm -hmm. And together we can create new realities that are that are much more possible than the ones we're living in now that are not possible any longer. Yeah. Well, I have a story. I will call it the greenhouse story. I'm going to tell our listeners just as soon as I do this transformation.
Well, we're talking with uh, Daniel Levin. He is the author of The Mosaic and uh, Greenhouse Story that I promised you uh, will come right after I mentioned to you that you are listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at richarddugan.com with podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, Tune in Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and a whole bunch of other locations. And we thank those of you who are reposting our, our interviews. We are also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. And uh, sometimes, you'll, you know, we might have a little break in uh, to what we did today. Uh, obviously, you have to know, folks. Yes, we're recording this on the 20th of January, 2021. A very uh, auspicious day. Uh, auspicious and uh, wonderful and exciting. The energy is changing and shifting. Uh, I have to say, uh, before I tell you the greenhouse story, as far as your connection with your daughter, that um, I am I I I am really not. holding any animosity toward uh, the, the previous administration. I've gotten to the point now where I can say, I love you. You're a fellow human being. It's like what you were talking about before. You're a, I, I may disagree with the way you behave and this and that and the other thing, but you're still a human being, you know? So uh, I think that um, uh, we, we really do need to get to, to that level. I uh, also want to remind you folks, too, about the podcasts. I did that already, as well as uh, I mentioned earlier, the 2020s, the Decade of Perfect Vision, uh, and so forth and so on. So uh, please participate in that. And also participate if you'd like to support us financially. We'd be greatly appreciative of that. Uh, you know, we have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. Greenhouse story time. Uh, my wife has been wanting a greenhouse here in Santa Barbara since we moved here. Uh, in 2006. So we have been here for a long time. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, and of course, we've been wanting other things too, like a truck and a travel trailer and this kind of thing. And I, I would always tell her, be patient. But see, I would also tell her, you know, dream. I mean, isn't that what I just said about this program, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices don't make your dreams come true? So I can't go to her and say, no, no, we can't do that. No, no. Because now I'm saying don't dream. So my words come back to bite me a little bit sometimes. So I just say, okay, we need to be patient. I mean, we, we didn't even know that we'd be moving to Santa Barbara when we lost our jobs in 2006. So she's been wanting a greenhouse. Well, back in July of 2020, she was able to buy a greenhouse. And it was primarily due to the fact that she'd been uh, furloughed or uh, she'd been furloughed from her job for eight weeks. So she was actually, as most people, making more money being furloughed and getting unemployment on top of the extra stuff that the government was tossing in. So she used that to purchase the greenhouse. And we bought it and it was delivered. And of course it sat there in the pile um, in August. And I said, okay, in September, I'm going to start working on it. And it sat there in September and October. And finally in November, I started to work on the foundation because we wanted to put it up on paper. So I got that done. I said, I think we can have this done by the end of December. And it rolled through and we got into January. 
And I finally solicited a couple of friends who live up on the mountain with us on the property. And they, uh, they agreed. And of course, my wife, being the consummate uh, woman of etiquette that she is, she said, look, we'll pay you each $100. Plus, we're going to have a little barbecue afterwards, uh, salad and chicken and a little dessert and, and have some beers. What's your favorite beer? And so, and, and of course, uh, they said, sure, no problem. So they come on over. And now these young men, they can't be much more than in their late 20s or early 30s. And my wife has complimented them and said to me on more than one occasion about the manners, the incredible manners of these young men who uh, one operates heavy equipment. The other uh, is an electrician, has his own business. But he's just, I mean, these guys are polite. They always refer to my wife as ma'am. Um, you know, I wanted to refer to me as Richard, you know, I, I don't need sir. That's my dad. And so they come over and, uh, it was, um, this, uh, this literally this past Sunday, they came over and we began to construct one wall, then two, three, and four, put them together. And then last night during the windiest part of, of the week, we were, we were putting the roof on. And we did it very carefully. We did it very slowly and we got it done. Now the rest is up to me putting the benches in on the inside. I got to fix the door and this and that and the other little things. My wife goes to pay them and they won't take the checks. They say, no, 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 no. Hey, this is what we do. We help one another. Now they partook in the food, which that was fine, but that, that was their attitude. Now, why I'm going this direction with the similar similarities to your story with your daughter is because I was telling my wife about the greenhouse, be patient. Boom. I was telling my wife about the construction of the greenhouse, be patient. Boom. It took a little longer. So last night, as I am actually heading out the door to put some parts into a, into one of the bags uh, uh, in the box to, to continue what I need to do. She says, could you come here? Very little, small voice. Could you please come here? Would you please come here? So I come over to her. She grabs me around the neck, hugs me. She's in tears. She says, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't believe what you guys, what you have done. And then she was complimenting me, but of course the gentleman too. But see, she and I have been on the same wavelength the whole time. Yeah. You know? And she her energy level has shifted. Um, she has felt quite a bit, quite often, like she didn't know what her life's purpose was. And she's wanted this greenhouse to be able to grow things, to have something to do, uh, and so forth. And I just, I'm just thrilled. Just at her boost in energy. Yeah, I bet. Her shift. And it's so exciting to see that. And I get that you saw that same thing in your daughter. Yeah. That same thing. And, and you touch on something that I really want to, first of all, thank you for sharing that story. Beautiful story. And, and now you have a greenhouse, right? Mm-hmm. We you touched on something around purpose. And I think so many times people think their purpose is so valuable and so important. And once they find their purpose, that's what they're going to do the rest of their life. And sometimes it is. Mm -hmm. But I know for me, my purpose has changed so many times. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I didn't have a good purpose before. 
but the purpose, the purpose that I had brought me to the purpose that I have. And the purpose that I have brings me into the purpose that is why I'm here. Mm. And sometimes if we're just open and we listen, like listening isn't just about listening to people in conversation. It's listening to the voice within us as well. It's listening to what our purpose is trying to say to us. It's listening to what the environment is saying to us. It's listening to what our work is saying to us. Yeah. It's listening to what the greenhouse is we're building it is trying to say <laughs> to us. Right? Yeah, and, and it was speaking. And, and it is speaking. Everything is speaking if we, own, yeah. if we were to listen. And so when I talk about creating a mosaic revolu- revolution of listening, what I'm really talking about is that when we become, when we realize that everything in this world is speaking to us, mm. it gives us the opportunity to participate in it to listen to what it's saying, to hear what it's saying, and to start to work in cooperation with it rather than in opposition to it. Because everything in the world, the environment, the, our workplace, um, the world we live in in general, will do the same thing my daughter taught me, which is speak, yell, tantrum, and attack, if we don't listen. Yeah. So look what's happening in our environment. It's, it's certainly creating chaos. Because we're not listening to how do we take care of this planet. Yeah. Anyway, I yeah. don't want to get lost, but I just, listening goes far beyond just listening to another person. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, I think, uh, you know, there, there's synchronicity in all things, if we will look for it. And as challenging, and, and I prefer to use that word because it's a little po- more positive than any other, as challenging as the last four or five years have been on a national level, it's impacted all of us at some point uh, because of people we know or because, like, like fools in one sense, we're watching the very thing that's frustrating the bejeebers out of us. You know, It's like, why are you watching that? You, know, you don't have to do that to yourself. Um, as I said, it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. It might seem like it's going on yeah. forever. I remember even after the first year, uh, someone on one of the comedians said, well, 476 years ago, he was elected president <laughs> because it just felt like it just went on and on. But yeah. the fact is that it all is, it's all par- temporary nothing is permanent. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think yeah. people are, are starting to, to grasp. At least I like to think so. Uh, and that if yeah. you if you want change, there are other ways of achieving it than, you know, what certainly happened uh, as our conversation unfolds here two weeks ago. Um, yeah. I know for a lot of people, there were a lot of people who were in tears over what happened because of what the term was used, the desecration of one of our, I'll call it one of our ne- holiest national shrines of the system under which we live. And um, I mean, there were people who were, again, as I said, visually upset. I, I, I just sat there. I couldn't believe what I was watching, but there are other ways of change if you really want it. And as you've quoted uh, in, in your own way, uh, what even Gandhi said, you know, if you want, if you want change, if you want to see a certain change, be the change you want to see. I think, oh, it was Wayne Dyer that you were talking about. By the way, I was very fortunate that in his lifetime, I was actually able to see and hear him in a lecture in Phoenix 
um, years and years before his passing. Uh, never had the chance to get him on this program. I wanted to so badly, but uh, uh, now I'm going to have to find someone who will channel him. <laughs> And so many others. I jokingly say I was very unfortunate to be his friend and have to hear him all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You say that tongue in cheek. You know, that's one of the beautiful things. You know, you you entered my life uh, with your book, The Mosaic, at a time of transition for me with a dear friend of mine from who is from New York, who passed away, I want to say two and a half years ago, September. And uh, he was from New York and uh, we had a great, a great relationship, even long distance, even up to the last few weeks before his actual passing. And um, uh, so every time I hear your voice, I hear him. Hmm. And there's that continuation, if you will, of relationship, if you will. That's one of the, one of the, one of the reasons why I'm always, uh, elated by coming together with you and conversing about these things and and uh, uh, talking about your book, The Mosaic, uh, which, by the way, the website is, uh, is is it not mosaic.com or is it daniellevin.com? <laughs> well, there, there's there's two websites. There's danielbrucelevin.com and there's the mosaiconline.com. The Mosaic Online. Now, you also have uh, connected with The Mosaic and the work that you're doing. You also have uh, what, like, uh, uh, online courses or classes or, or uh, I know you have a newsletter cause I get it uh, uh, every time you put it out. Uh, yes, and I, I, you know, but I, uh, I'm just curious about uh, uh, any kinds of um, uh, sort of extracurricular things that you make available. Yeah. So we, we have created a on an online course that go, that follows the mosaic. It's a really inexpensive course. I think it's a, one week course for 40 or $60. I mean, I'm sorry, a one month course for 40 or $60 that meets four times uh, 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 in the course of that month. Mm-hmm. And we, we sit and go through the characters. Um, but again, I, I, part of what I'm doing is I feel like there's a change, Richard, that's happening in the world today. I feel like this place of and I'm an oddball. I'm a complete oddball <laughs> because I don't really feel like we need to learn that much anymore. I think what we need to do is love each other more mm. and listen to each other more. And I thought, well, should I put together a course on listening? But I wouldn't even know what to do. The only, it's so easy. It's not hard to listen. We all know how to listen. Yeah. And so really what I would, I just, Here's what I really want to say to people that are listening now. If they feel drawn by anything that's happening in this conversation, please go to my website. It's easy. It's danielbrucelevin.com. There's a, there's a contact me form there. If you want to just have a conversation, if you feel like you haven't been heard or listened to, if you just want to see what it's like to allow all of that trash that's keeping you from, from going forward, if you feel like the walls that you've put up are ready, you want to bring them down somehow and you don't know how, let's just have a conversation. We'll, we'll see what we can do together. If it feels like it's right to work together, we'll figure out a way to work together. The money will always happen. I'm not worried about what the money is. That's the least important thing right now. What I want to do is I want people to know in this world where it's seemingly people don't listen to each other there's a little corner of the world 
that they can come to where they'll be heard, yeah. where they'll be loved and accepted. And so I'm more than happy to, I, I started something called 50 Conversations with 50 Strangers. And the first note that I put out to introduce that I was doing that got 250 responses. So I couldn't call it 50 Conversations anymore. I just <laughs> call it uh, Conversations with Strangers. But I've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of, of conversations with people. Because what I just want people to know is how simple it is mm. to just feel loved and accepted and, and, and to feel acknowledged and validated for who they are. I really believe from what my daughter showed me of speak, yell, tantrum, attack, that if we could just listen to people, so many of the problems that exist in the world we live in right now would disappear. Yeah, yeah. As we, uh, as we come close to uh, close, but not there, to the end of our conversation here, I want to talk about a subject that is addressed in one of our founding documents that I had a conversation on a number, number of occasions on this program with different guests, and that is the subject of happiness. Mm. Um, we have these inalienable rights, and among them are, among them, folks, there are three listed, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, the reason I bring this up is partly because of this day on which you and I are conversing. And one of, and, and again, when I converse here and talk about this subject and, and, and people in, in, this, in this conversation, there is no judgment. I look at these people who we converse about as fellow human beings who have every right to be here and we just need to love them. We may not change them, and that's not the point. The point is not to change them. The point is to love them, right? Yeah, yeah. So, as I am observing the final days of the old administration, the observation is that he is, if not the, one of the most unhappy individuals on the planet. And it has nothing to do with what he owns, the position he holds, the amount of money he has, or the people around him. The man is just unhappy. Now, wouldn't you say, Daniel, that it is our, not just our right, but that we should be taking the opportunity to be happy in our lives? Yeah, and... and I love you and you know I love you, but your preamble to that question will turn off as many people as it will excite because there'll be a lot of people that will say to you, no, I think he's happy. He just feels like he had something taken from him. What, well, let's talk about happiness from a more general perspective then. I love that. Um, we, my teacher always used to say, we have the option all the time of walking around in a portable paradise or a portable hell. We determine where we go. We can take that happiness or that paradise with us wherever we are. So how do we obtain that happiness? Especially in a world where we are very protected and we protect ourselves from each other. You know, it's really hard to be happy when we constantly beat ourselves up. 
if I look at my own example of my life, there's so many times that I used to over the course of the day, just literally, if for those people watching on video, I would, I would literally just hit myself and knock myself down. Mm. Well, after hitting myself and telling myself I'm not good enough or I can't do that or you can't, you don't deserve that or it's not, it's not okay or you, you, you really messed up there or you did something wrong or look what you did. You had that conversation. You really hurt somebody. Eventually, after hitting myself for a certain amount of time, I'm going to put up something to block that hit from happening because hitting myself hurts. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now I'm punching into a wall that I've erected, but I don't know if I'm going to hit myself in my face, in my chest, in my groin, in my knees or in my feet. So that silo that I have to build goes all the way down from top of the head to bottom of feet. And how do we be happy in that? Because we believe that we're having connections when my silo bumps up into your silo. We believe that we're actually interacting with each other, but really all that's happening is your walls are interacting with my walls. Mm. We have to be able to be kind enough to ourselves to take down. When I'm kind to myself, when I promise myself I'm not going to hit myself, I don't need a wall to protect myself from myself. Right. So my happiness comes through my kindness because now suddenly I look out and I go, wow, there's a whole world out here. Mm -hmm. And I love this world that I see. So what really will make us happy? We see that it's not money, although money helps people to be happy. It's, there are a lot of people that have a lot of it that, that don't feel happy. We, don't, we see that it's not what we do because sometimes people are doing some things that are helping millions and millions of people, mm -hmm. but they still aren't happy. So what is it actually that makes us happy? For me, what I realized is my heaven that I was looking for in the mosaic the whole time was that change of perspective moment where I was only seeing something in one place and then I suddenly saw it differently. In that moment, that was the heaven I was looking for. That, to me, that's where my happiness is. And to being able to, to have a conversation with you, maybe I agree on 95% of what you say. But what's important to me is to know the places, also those 5% where I don't agree with you, because I want to know what you feel. I want to know what makes you you. Mm -hmm. and, when I, and when I sit there and we're able to, I'm able to hear you and listen to you and love you regardless of what you believe. That's what makes me really happy yeah. because it means I'm open enough and I'm accepting enough to say all are welcome. And what a beautiful place to live in rather than I, you can't come in, you know, if we're practiced, we're protected like this, we're, we're, we're inherently going to be unhappy because something will break into the bubble and, and make us yeah. make it and, and, and interrupt our, our reality. When you say all are welcome, everything comes in. Yeah. James Redfield said something really keen and cool in his uh, Silicine Prophecy about that, in, the, in that we have mes messages for one another in the 95% and in the 5%. Yeah. But, our, you know, but we have to listen, obviously. But we have to put down the shields in order for, or put down the walls, in order for those messages to be transmitted back and forth. Yeah. And... We do ourselves and the other person a great disservice when we put up the walls yeah. because we are denying them the messages that the universe might have for them through us. But we're also, even more importantly, denying ourselves of the messages that the universe has for us 
through them. I will tell you. Yeah, we're, also, we're also denying them the possibility to give to us. Yes, exactly. And, and people like to give. They what do. Mosaic, what Mosaic taught me in its space between the lines mm-hmm. was when we're connected, we're happy. And when we're disconnected, we're unhappy. You and know, really- when I was sharing with you about last night's construction of the roof of the greenhouse, um, Sunday, I had the guys come in through the gate on the side of the house because I wasn't sure how our dog, Angus, was going to deal with them. Well, last night, I had them come through the house. I didn't want to open the gates because it was dark and so forth. No problem. None whatsoever. But part of my wife's happiness wasn't just the completion of the greenhouse. It was having these guys over and have we, we bought pizza and wings and had some beers before we went out to do the work because otherwise it would be cold. We didn't want it to be cold. Uh, but that's what thrilled her. But it also thrilled me. I love having people over and having a connection. Now, we all we were all safe. I mean, we were distant from one another and all this kind of stuff. We know we're doing our best. Um, but that's what made us happy. And what you're saying is absolutely true. I mean, I love in a crowded room. My wife is more of a wallflower. So I'll keep her on my arm and I'll take her around because I love to mingle and get to know people as you obviously pick that up. Uh, So yes, I couldn't agree with you more. And by the way, on the point of the 95 versus the 5%, it's great. I love it when my guests agree with me or that we're in agreement on a particular topic. But when you're in that, you're hearing 5% that you're now listening to that 5% of what I'm saying is, I don't necessarily agree with that, Richard. And I'm going to share with him my perspective, boom, boom, boom. Then I will sit there and I will say, as I said to one of my guests, that we were chatting away and he challenged me on one of my points. I said, well, here goes another one of my straw huts in flame and I'll burn them all down. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't have all the answers. Yeah. And I have to tell you that it was one of my guests who helped me to take that fourth step in my process to say, I love you. All the way from get away, get out. I don't want you in my life to I love you. It doesn't mean that I want you in my life per se, but you're a fellow human being. We all bleed red blood as far as I know. I haven't seen anybody yet bleed green. Uh, and when I do, I will embrace them because I want to meet some of those, you know, yeah. <laughs> who knows the stories they have to tell us. I understand. But that's, that's kind of where I'm at in that. And it, it, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. It, it ever so slightly grates when there's a disagreement, but then it's like, okay, now stay awake and aware, listen to what they're saying. You might learn something because, as I just said, I don't know it all. Yeah. I remember when I was in the monastery, we were a very strong group of brothers. And we just loved being with each other. We loved praying with each other. We loved working together. We loved eating together. We loved, we loved just being together. And one day, a new monk came into the monastery and something about him just pissed all of us off. We didn't like him. And, and whatever he would do, it just, it just, he, he would, he was, he didn't have the feeling of the monastery. And I remember being, I remember a bunch of us went to the head of the, of the order 
And we said, like, please tell us, what the heck are you doing? Like the monastery was so peaceful and calm. We all were getting together so well. And all of a sudden you brought this person in and now there's chaos and confusion and there's, and there's harm all the way, all in every place. And the head of the monastery said something to us that really um, struck us. He said, that's so interesting. If he wasn't here, I would have to go out and hire somebody to beat him because he's teaching you more than I could ever teach you. Because it's easy when you all agree with each other to agree with each other. But how do you deal with your ideas of compassion and love when someone's really pissing you off? Mm -hmm. And so he should be now your guru. He should be now your, the person you look to for all of your learning. Because that one brother has gotten underneath your skin and has riled your, your portable paradise. So that now you have the opportunity to see if you can find paradise there again. And it took only a few weeks, a change of perspective again. Once we changed our perspective, it took a week, two weeks, something, not a very long period of time. And we welcomed him in and he was, he still, you know, did things that, that made us go crazy, but we loved him for it. And, and it was such a big moment that really made us realize that there's something, every single person has come into our life for some reason. Yes, yes. It isn't just to agree with us all the time. You it's, got it. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my, my wife and I don't always agree. Yeah. You know? And I, there are times when I, I do. I have to consciously stop myself and say, okay, listen to her. What is she saying? Because as you know, our wives are at most, most of the time, if not all the time, are fonts of knowledge and wisdom. And yeah. we would be fools not to listen. Yeah. And I, I genuinely mean that. I really do. So I, I, I would extend it. I agree with you 100%. But I would, <laughs> I would extend it also out to everybody that you meet, every situation that happens in your life. If your business isn't working, ask it what's going on. Yeah. If the environment around you is, is confrontational, ask yourself, what is it trying to say to you? Mm -hmm. If your children aren't doing, aren't doing well, ask your, or are acting out, ask them, what are you really trying to say? Yeah. They're, everything in this world is speaking to us. And we have such a brilliant opportunity to take a moment and just listen to it rather than respond to it. Yeah. Just listen to it and hear what it's trying to say. You might not hear it right off the bat. True. But True. don't give up until you do hear it. I have to tell you also that uh, I enjoy these get-togethers, uh, you and I, as we share these with our listeners and now viewers. And uh, certainly we are going to have you back over the, over the course of not just this year, but in coming years as well, many times. Uh, because awesome. you and I, we're both still alive we're moving we're growing we're learning we're living we're loving and we're changing you know again even you and i right here right now in this very moment of mindfulness we will not be the same person that we were within five minutes within 10 minutes within an hour a day a month or a year and i hope that's that's absolutely true because I don't want to be static. 
yeah. or stagnant even. <laughs> I don't want I, the mosquitoes to start laying eggs in my water. Uh, I want to be dynamic and I want to be flowing and moving and growing and changing. Um, you know, that's part of what this journey, as I mentioned earlier in the program, this is a journey. And it's, it's, we should look at it from a, a perspective of excitement that, that this, this is exciting. Yeah. I, I read a great post by someone much wiser than I. And the post said, you're under no obligation to be the same person you were 15 minutes ago. I would say you're under no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. Boy, I like that. I like that. You're under no obligation. Wow. Wow. That's very cool. And with that, we are going to uh, bring this uh, wonderful, wonderful conversation to a close. Uh, Daniel Bruce Levin is my guest. He is the author of The Mosaic. And you can go to, and I hope I have this right again, themosaiconline.com. Yes. We will be linked to that website so people can continue, as I like to say, their transformational and evolutionary process uh, so that they can continue to learn and grow and share and love and be happy. No, I'm not going to use the line from the song. Uh, just be happy. You don't have to do anything else. That's And, and, and I'll be honest with you, uh, Daniel, to just be. I, I have to say that that with the work I have left to do on the greenhouse, I just, there's going to come a moment. I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stand there. And I'll look around and I'm just going to be. Beautiful. I'm going to be in that space. And, it, and, and we're perfect in that space of just being. So uh, I encourage folks to just be and pick up a copy of his book, The Mosaic, uh, from themosaiconline.com or Bruce or uh, danielbrucelevin.com. And Daniel, it's it's great to have you here. I hope one day that we can actually get together face to face. It'll be wonderful to do. Uh, I am going to, as I've done before, ask you those three final questions. Uh, I almost, with our conversation here today, <clears throat> I want to ask a fourth, but you've already answered it. So I will stick with the three that I usually ask. Before I do that, I want to remind our listeners that this is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We come your way on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times. Uh, at richarddugan.com and the podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations as well. We are also on YouTube where you can watch this interview. And we also encourage you to go to uh, uh, to Daniel's website. I keep wanting to call you by your middle name. I know, uh, people to, do that. To Daniel's websites. We will be linked to one of them so that you can continue on in your process. And also, uh, support us if you can financially. Greatly appreciate it. PayPal account is there for your security as well as ours. And please participate. Go within during this decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, and spend that time getting to know all of you, both sides of you. And maybe that will give you an insight as to how you tick. Okay? Because we, we need to do that. All right. So my first of three are... The first of three is, trying to figure out the grammar there, uh, number one, who is Daniel Bruce Levin? He's the same as he always was. He's the same as he always will be. He is not this form that you see here, but a spirit and an energy that flows through this form. 
And I noticed that for the first time, really, really, I've had a lot of loss in my family. But when I lay next to my wife, who was passing away of a terminal cancer, and one minute we were there talking to each other, and the next minute she passed and left her body. Her body, which was once warm and soft, in a, ver- in a period of a very short few moments, turned hard and stiff and cold. And it made me realize that we are not these bodies. We are the thing that inhabits these bodies. We are the unchanging, beautiful spirit that lives throughout everything that exists. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? I believe that the world is much simpler than we think it is. I believe that it all comes down to doing three basic things. Loving and accepting each other, listening and hearing each other, and acknowledging and validating each other. And I believe in just doing those three simple processes we will end most of the suffering that exists in the world today. And I would love nothing more than to see suffering end as a result of those practices. And finally, what is your life's purpose? I, 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 who knows? My, it's changed so many times. <laughs> but right now, I believe my life's purpose is to be able to hold space for people to just see how magnificent and beautiful they are when their walls come down, when they feel safe and they can allow their walls to come down and they can just see that self that emerges when they no longer carry those walls. We protect ourselves from the pain of the world by putting up walls. I want to hold spaces for people that they don't have, that they won't have, they won't feel that pain. They're safe from that pain so that they can let all that down and see themselves for perhaps the first time. Mm. In that, miraculous things happen. Well, Daniel, I want to thank you for the miraculous thing that's happened here on this program. Wonderful conversation and subjects that we've talked about throughout this hour or so. And uh, I look forward to our next get-together, and we will continue to communicate, whether it's uh, texts or emails or however we do it, and uh, look forward to that. And thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And I thank you for listening and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast, love to lull.